0: All right, on last week's program, we were talking with my neighbor and uh, knowledgeable financial person, Bob Dunham, about various things, and I thought we'd bring him back today to talk about one of the great scams they seem to be running out there, which involves something that, on the surface, seems like a great idea, a system to generate solar energy that goes on top of your house, but, uh, boy, there's some problems uh, with that. Uh, And by the way, welcome
1: back, Bob. Thank you, and great feedback, Doug. (laughs) Let's talk about this scam they're running. Well, you know... I don't think that they – scam is such a harsh word because no, it's not. Well, <laughs> I, and I guess there's different degrees of scamming, well, but actually, these okay, guys are scamming. Let me stop. Let me tell
0: you, let me tell you what I know. My uh, my ex girlfriend, who has been on this show before uh, under a different under a assumed name, uh, told me that her mom and she decided to go ahead and put one in their house in Southern California. And uh, I guess she was doing something else and mom was manning the fort. They came in and in a couple of days put this system up on top of the house, had her sign some papers, and nowhere in the paperwork did it say rent. But it turns out you once they put this thing up, you're then renting your solar energy generating system from the company.
1: That's right. That's right. And that, that is the scam. It's, there, there's a, obviously, there's a couple of options. You can buy a solar system it's yours you bought it you put it on the roof or your backyard or the acreage you have on your property you you utilized it if you have extra power you can sell it to the uh to the utility company everybody thinks that's the greatest thing in the world and it's all solar and it's all environmentally correct it just sounds awesome and it sounds and it's great and if it's done that way and you amortize it over a period of time and do the right thing from a from a financial standpoint you know you're paying four and five and six cents a kilowatt hour for your power you're paying virtually nothing in other words but by the way even under the ideal system my understanding is it
0: really honestly takes you you know let's say 12 or 15 years to really well pay of for course it. it does right of course it does but people yeah. think
1: oh it pays itself back in a couple years no. or two no 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 no, it no. it's a long term right it's one of those things where if you're 80 years old <laughs> you don't buy one if you're 65 and you're going to retire to uh, florida you don't put one in your home in california two weeks before you're leaving well my
0: ex's 86-year-old mom found herself with a solar system on top of the house, which she was now renting, on, uh, like something like a 30-year term. Yeah, that's... and and built into it was a lien on the house.
1: Yeah, and the reason they do that is because the government is so high on everybody wanting to, to get into the uh, the off the grid thing and into the green thing right. that they are actually the ones who collect the money. And how that works is very simple. You get a, you get a system uh, put up, I'm not going to mention any names, but you get a system put up on the house, and you are renting it but, or leasing it. And that's really the term, it's leasing it, because then you have all types of things, financial things that kick into play. So you lease the system, you put it up on the roof. Every month you have to send a payment to whoever you're leasing it from. And you still have to pay the utility company unless you're, unless you're at zero none of these systems are at zero. So you're still paying a utility company something, just not as much. So what you've done is you've taken a bill that you were paying to PG&E, let's just say it's $100 a month, okay? And now you're sending out two bills. You're sending one to the leasee of your solar system, let's say it's for $75, and you're sending one to PG&E for $25, okay? So... Everything seems to be okay, but you're going to be paying off on that system on that solar system for up to 30 years. Right. Now, 30 years is a long time. Let's yes. say something happens. let's say you get let's say you get divorced and you have to sell the house. Well did you know that one of the one of the requirements of that is that you have to and we will get back to how they collect the money from you okay. but you you have to get the permission of the leaseholder yes to make sure that the new person buying the house is creditworthy enough to assume or take over your lease. Yes, so right in the middle and and, and and in their case,
0: in the case of my ex and and her mom, they did in turn uh plan to turn around and sell this home and discovered uh-oh. The, this company that is now leasing, which they didn't tell us they were leasing, this system to us has a say in the sale of the home.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, now, now they are your partners in crime or partners in anything in this house. Yes. So you can't you can't do anything without their permission. That's crazy.
0: Well, yes. For it, energy, that's crazy. Yes. So but this is this is this is a a, a, a word to the uh, to the wise out there. Do not get involved in a system where you're leasing. Your well, solar and, the, and
1: the leasing thing is to the benefit of the. Uh, uh, Person, the, the company that's doing the leasing is not any benefit to you at all. It, it, it's not even a lower payment when you really look at it over a period of time. Oh, and they, they, had, a, they had language written in they can raise the rate. They, they had language oh, built in where they can raise the rate on their, own, on their own prerogative. Absolutely. Not only can they raise the rate, they can come in and take your system away from you, too. Let's say you've been paying on it for 18 years, got a little bit of a financial problem, and you're a month behind on your pay- on your lease payments to your solar system, which should have been paid off you know, five years ago. Right. They can come in and repossess it. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you come home some night, and there you are. You're going to take a hot shower? No, you're not. Well, luckily, in this particular case, I remember this
0: incident down in, uh, in Orange County, when when they got wind of what kind of a, a pickle they were in, they found a family friend who wrote a very nasty letter to the company saying, "This is elder abuse. You've taken an 86 year old woman and misled her." And they came out and took the system down in three days. But most people, I don't think, can count on that kind of happy ending.
1: No, they can't. And you know, and when I said I was going to allude to how they how they make the payments on this thing, when you get a solar system and lease it like that, the company or the companies have been known and are doing are discounting selling it to the city or or a taxing entity and then putting it on your property tax bill. So they tell you that, oh, you won't even see a monthly bill, it'll be taken care of in your property taxes at the end of every year. Wow. In, in many instances, that's how they're getting their lease payments. So the county governments are, are in cahoots. That's whole part of the thing, is because they want you to go environmental. They don't want you to be on the grid. They don't want you to use the electricity. They don't want you to do these certain things, because we don't know where it's at that's why you know that's why we're doing what we're doing so it's not that they're in cahoots but they assign it the 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 collection to the property tax rolls like they do with the lighting districts like they do with the water districts like they do with a lot of the different districts that you know could or should be billing us individually it just all gets lumped on our on our uh, our property tax bill and at the end of the year we get this bill and we go all right well our property taxes. And Many people really closely look at their property taxes and know that their lighting district is charging them 111 dollars, you know, for for the streetlights, or that this is happening. That nobody, you know. Oh, beware, beware, dear listener! It is a beware, and, and unfortunately, that's because we have so much information in our hands today. Everybody thinks we're supposed to know what's going on, and we don't. A lot of people have no clue, and unfortunately, that's just the way it is.
0: Well, and as we have this conversation, I I I would like to put up a a, a solar. Power generating system, and and I realized that boy, I, I better I better do my homework. When well, we go and forward. you
1: better buy one because you know the average yeah. system that goes on oh, the yeah. house. want to buy one. How much do you think an average system on the house goes for? I mean, just take a ballpark number. What do you think? I don't know. 4, I was 000? shocked. No, twenty-five to forty thousand dollars. Twenty-five to Forty thousand $40, dollars to put an average system with everything, so that you're all set up to go. On your house. They're not just putting solar panels on the thing and a couple of copper tubes that come down into your sink. I mean, there's a whole you know, whole system that goes in. So that so that P G and E and smud are, are part of the whole thing. Sure, sure. And it goes on and on and on. But you're looking at twenty five to forty thousand dollars and anybody tell and anything less than that, you know, a thousand dollars down and here sign these lease papers. Just understand the bottom asset Whoa. the bottom line asset is twenty five to forty thousand dollars. Yikes. They're not. They're not setting up these radio shows and TV shows and these. Uh, what do you call those things? Where they're infomercials, infomercials and yeah. things like that. You, those cost a fortune. You know, they're not doing it to educate us. Believe me, <laughs> it's it's like it's like my wife has always said. You want to know what the bottom line is? Find out where the money is.
0: <laughs> Follow the money.
1: Follow the money. Wow. Well, I think we have covered that topic. But uh, before we check out, any last minute advice, Bob, on this? I do, and it's advice on what you should or shouldn't do. And the, and the bottom line is look at, read, and investigate any and everything you're going to put your money into because the guy that's trying to sell you something, it's about the money. For you, it's about the need, what you want, what you want to accomplish. So investigate. Be aware of what's going on. Be aware of what you're getting for the dollars you're putting up and everything else will fall into place. Don't do it like we do on these websites. <laughs> you agree or don't agree. And We all say,
0: ah, sure, I'm not going to read this thing. I agree. Yeah. In the real world, don't do that. Yeah,
1: there you go. Thanks
0: a lot. All right, we've been speaking with my neighbor and financial counselor, I guess you might say, Mr. Bob Dunham. All right, we've got about eight minutes left on the program, I think, and, um, well, what to do? I don't want to do any more obits, even though I feel we, we should do those. It's important to look back on memorable lives. We're going to get you to do it. And, you know, I got a pile of papers related to this whole anthrax thing, and uh, that's, that's just not what we're going to do today. Let, let's do some funny stuff. As I look over my left shoulder, I see an entire shelf devoted to the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader series, and I feel certain if we thumb around in that, we can find some good stories that uh, we can have a laugh over. Let's see, shall we? All right, here's an item we did on one of our very first programs, I think, back in the year 2002. Some of our earliest programs have not yet been located and put on our website, but the search goes on. We'll find them. But uh, we talked back then about uh, the master hoaxer, Alan Abel. This comes from the Uncle John's Heavy Duty Bathroom Reader, 23rd edition. To quote, the sub-headline of this article is, here at the Bathroom Readers Institute, we have a lot of respect for people who pull off elaborate hoaxes, and here's one of the best ever. Background After graduating from Ohio State University in 1952, Alan Abel moved to New York City hoping to become a stand up comedian. When that didn't work out, he took a job answering the customer hotline at the American Automobile Association. (laughs) It was a pretty boring job, so to entertain himself, he'd give callers unnecessarily complicated driving instructions. Not only did that alleviate the boredom, it was kind of fun, which made him realize he'd found his niche in comedy pulling pranks. Over the next five decades, Alan Abel pranked the American media repeatedly with a series of bizarre hoaxes just believable enough to get press coverage and get the press angry. All right, fast forward to 1959, and I am shocked to realize that I actually remember this hoax. The hoax was the Society for Indecency to Naked Animals. The story is that while driving through Texas in 1959, Abel saw a cow and a bull mating in the middle of the road, which held up traffic for 20 minutes. During the interlude, Abel noticed two elderly women acting horrified, covering their faces in disgust. He thought it was absurd that anyone could consider the idea of mating animals offensive, so he took the idea a step further into absurdity and wrote a tongue-in-cheek article for the Saturday Evening Post calling for the need to clothe all animals. The Post thought he was serious, or seriously nuts, and rejected the article. But the seed for Abel's first prank had been planted. In May of 1959, he formed a phony organization called the Society for Indecency to Naked Animals. The badly worded title was intentional. He issued press releases and held press conferences for CiNA, claiming he represented a large group of people who aimed to clothe the scandalously naked animals all over the world. Cinna's slogan was, A nude horse is a rude horse. And its logo was a horse wearing red swim trunks. Abel then recruited a young actor and future Saturday Night Live writer and star named Buck Henry to play Cinna spokesman G. Clifford Prout in both radio and TV interviews, and he even got him booked on the Today Show. The prank was an attempt to expose the failings of a media more interested in sensationalism than substance. Many people were fooled, including a California woman who tried to donate $40,000 to the cause. Abel returned the check, explaining he couldn't accept money from strangers. Amazingly, the organization wasn't exposed as a prank until three years later, when, after Walter Cronkite interviewed Prout for the CBS Evening News, a few network employees recognized Buck Henry from his fledgling performing career. As a very young boy, I was quite upset when I heard about this, and I think it may have been, maybe it was the three years later part in 62, I don't know, but G. Clifford Prout made a visit to San Francisco, push, pushing the cause of CINNA, and garnered quite a bit of local publicity, and I gotta say, that's a pretty good prank. I think it was bettered, perhaps, or at least equaled in 1991 by Alan Abel's hoax of the KKK Symphony Orchestra. The story is that back in 1991, former Ku Klux Klan Grand Wizard David Duke ran for governor of Louisiana, claiming that he had abandoned his racist ways and had broken all ties with the notorious hate group. Alan Abel didn't believe him. So, to ensnare Duke, he created the fictitious KKK Symphony Orchestra. Posing as Charles Calhoun, April sent out recordings of the orchestra along with press releases proclaiming a kinder, gentler KKK, along with the claim that although the orchestra members were from different ethnic and racial backgrounds, they'd all play while wearing white hoods. Quote, Charles Calhoun, unquote, even told Julia Lobaco, a reporter from the Arizona Republic, that David Duke was one of the orchestra's backers. When Labacco called Duke, he adamantly denied involvement, to which Calhoun then responded with, well, what would you expect him to say? And when Abel invited Duke to guest conduct the orchestra, he accepted until he discovered that it was all a put-on. I remember so well, back about 1991, listening to KGO one afternoon on the Jim Eason Show, when Jim Eason playing it completely straight was interviewing Charles Calhoun about the orchestra. I kept listening more intently going, you've got to be kidding me. And luckily showing good sense and good comedy uh, timing, they then broke down and admitted that the whole thing was a put on. And Jim Eason says, yes, I'm Alan Abel here in the studio with me. And they talked about some of their other pranks. It's a pretty funny moment in radio. All right, in the one minute we got left here, we're going to quote from Idiots, Hypocrites, Demagogues, and More Idiots by Paul Slansky. A couple, three items in the Bush family's history of stealing elections. First, with George W. Bush running slightly ahead of the latest vote tallies and the clock running out in the 2000 recount, Florida Secretary of State and co-chair of the state's Bush campaign, Catherine Harris, eager to shut things down before Al Gore might turn out to one, said, quote, I do not believe the possibility of affecting the outcome of the election is enough to justify ignoring a statutory deadline. And it turns out rather appropriately, when the Los Angeles Times did a special section recapping the five-week Florida recount fiasco, it turned out the sole advertiser was Banana Republic. And finally, one that creeps me out, in Alexander Pelosi's HBO documentary, Diary of a Political Tourist, New York representative Peter King was filmed at a 2003 White House barbecue boasting about the upcoming presidential election. It's already over. Election's over. We won asked how he knew that Bush would win more than a year before votes were cast. King said, it's all over but the counting, and we'll take care of the counting. As reported on Radio Parallax, by God, they did. That does it for the program. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Our thanks to Bob Dunham for coming back and talking to us some more. Maybe we'll be on again. I do have a confession to make. Right now, I'm actually in Costa Rica, but hopefully, in next week's show, I'll come back with some stories. We'll see you then.